Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the customer advisory lead for S4HANA strategy at SAP. And you are awesome because you are listening to the SAP Experts podcast. We are available on all major directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and OpenSAP. So please do not hesitate, but like, share and subscribe to us so you never miss a new episode like this one. Today I'm humbled to welcome a person who is remarkable not only for his brilliant mind, which has made him a recognized master of his craft, Mr. Carl Christian von Weyer, who is Chief Financial Officer of SAP in Middle and Eastern Europe and a sought-after lecturer and speaker in matters of financial and strategic management. With him I talked about the rapidly changing role of a CFO and covered finance management, finance transformation from the view of a CFO and the role of technology. Since normally tech podcasts consist mostly of tech people having a conversation with other tech people, it is quite refreshing to listen to the experience of improving experts from the business side. So join me and welcome Mr. Carl Christian von Weyer here at the SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome Mr. Carl Christian von Weyer. Welcome, Alex. Great to have you. Carl Christian, it's great to have you here also because of your role as CFO MEE of SAP, which means that you combine, combine basically two aspects that make you very interesting for a truly expert podcast like ours. First, you are an executive representative of SAP towards customers, but also, and this is what makes you sometimes maybe a little bit of a minority in a technology company, you have a business role, a true business role that, of course, also includes using enterprise applications. So you definitely also see the world through the eyes of a customer, maybe better than anything else or anybody else. So let's start with your role itself. How would you define the classic role or how would you define your job as a CFO? Alex, thanks for the invitation. Thanks for having me here. Um, the role of a CFO uh, nowadays um, is very much changing, very much changing, driven by the um, technology we see. Um, there is uh, the role used to be very much a kind of compliance role. Um, you were you were responsible as a CFO of assuring compliance with regards to legal, with regards to accounting, etc. Um, this has changed very much from pure compliance to a broadening of the role towards more kind of analyst and a transformator. We will talk about that in a second, but take these three words. It's a steward role, it's a business partner role, and it's a transformator role. Which is uh, for, like, say, even a logistics guy for me, um, very reasonable because I experience meeting people like you, CFO, much more now since you were saying that your role has changed than it used to be like 10, 50 years ago. Yeah, and you can see that also. I'm out with a lot of um, uh, CFO colleagues uh, in Germany as well as in the whole Middle and Eastern European region just for uh, the sake of completeness. Uh, Middle and Eastern Europe spans a region from Aachen in uh, Western Germany to the very east in Russia, i.e. Vladivostok. So it's a very diverse region and a pretty large one. But even 
though it's culturally and business-wise pretty diverse, what I see as a trend is CFOs become more and more important. What used to be some, let's call it 30 years ago, the question of you need to earn your seat at the management table is now a CFO is an integral part of a management table. I take an example and I take SAP. Some 18, 19 years ago, we didn't have an explicit CFO in our board. Mm -hmm. uh, our CEO was doing the CFO role somewhat like doing it en passant. Um, then we hired a CFO, Mr. Brandt, and he was the first one in 2001, the first CFO. At that point in time, SAP was already, since a number of years, uh, listed in the ducks. So this gives you an indication that things have changed. The importance of CFO has changed. How would you define your tactical or strategic duties? Strategic duties or technical duties are more <clears throat> driving, as I said, the uh, transformational part. Um, and I indicated already that um, technology is driving very much uh, change, change of our company. I mean, you go out there and I'm discussing that with my colleagues, uh, my colleague CFOs very often. If you look at companies such as Airbnb, like Amazon, Google, all these large companies, they haven't been around 30 years ago. Yeah, And what drives them is very much the technology. And this is, is uh, it's uh, progressing in an unprecedented speed. Um, a lot of new things are coming up and a lot of business models are changing very much and very fast. And you as a CFO need to be part of that um, sense here team you need a sense where are the trends and you need to um, discuss it with your colleagues in the board and you need to adjust your uh, strategy as a company over and over again to these new cycles coming up this is quite interesting because um, you had this role before you came to sap if i'm correctly informed uh, or a similar role at different companies before so you know several industries mm -hmm. um, do you you so you think like the role differ may differ in certain industries from other industries or do you think like there's a certain common sense of or common understanding or let's say a common basis and from then on the variability arises of course it's uh, it's different in different industries, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and the speed of change in different industries is different. But it's a common trend and trade that things are changing very fast. And once again, I, I'm coming up with these um, examples I've been quoting already. Um, take companies like Airbnb uh, and the implications to standard hotel business. So we're talking about the hotel business. Uh, take companies like Skype and the implications of Skype being now the largest telephone company in the world towards uh, companies like Deutsche Telekom, Vodafone and the like. Yeah? Um, there we are in the technology uh, and um, telecom industries. Take companies like Uber um, and the implications on the taxi industry. I mean, it spans through basically all industries. The question what has changed in the last 15, 20 years is Technology is driving and disrupting new business models and questioning old and existing ones. Which means that 
what you do on a daily basis is also questions. More yeah, or sure. Less. And we need to question as CEOs, we need to question us and we need to question the strategy. And this ties into your uh, question you had five minutes ago. Um, we need to question whether the strategy of our company is still valid and where we need to adjust it. And I'm not talking about fine-tuning here and there and uh, running a new efficiency program, but we need to discuss fundamentally whether our strategy as a company for which we as the CVOs are also responsible is still the right one for the next three to five years or two to four years, whatever it is. So um, the strategic or let's say the... Um the strategic part within your role gets a more and more dominant part as far as I understand it and um, as far as I assume it, it probably this is a trend which will not change but which, which will become even more important for you. Indeed, the strategic part is increasing. The strategic part is becoming more and more important um, and you can see that also. Look at as... Um, at standard um, hierarchical setups. Um, I've been quoting uh, SAP in the year 2000 where we didn't have an explicit CFO uh, in our executive board and compared it to now. Um, this is the one thing, but if you look at the CFO in particular, you see an interesting trend uh, basically all around the industries at different speeds, but you'd see that uh, as a common trait uh, that the... Um, the role of the CFO is constantly enlarged. We're not so much only, quote-unquote, uh, responsible for finance and maybe controlling, but it often spans now to IT, which is very often assigned to a CFO. Why is that so? Because more and more companies realize that the IT is not a cost factor, which we need to drive more and more efficiently, but rather, on top of it, it's a strategic factor which is becoming more and more important whether or not a company is going to survive or not. Yeah. Which, is, um, which is really fitting very well to what a customer of mine recently said, um, who is a CFO, and since he said that he's basically, or he and his colleagues, he sees himself as, uh, let's say, more or less the purest strategist in many cases because they have to put all the strings together. They have to look that uh, the business is still working and where any dangers like, let's say, external or from, from a market perspective may arise. So they have the highest, let's say, um, demands concerning insights or action concerning these things. That's why they also have, let's say, a certain urge, of course, to um, be very informed and have a certain control, of course, over the IT, which is, in, like in many cases, the CIO reports to the CFO. And um, this is probably that um, I think will also be the trend in the future that uh, these strategic implications very strongly come from a CFO perspective into the IT. Yeah, and uh, this is very natural because um, look at it. At the end of the day, and most companies are listed on a stock exchange, at the end of the day, the analysts look at it and say, okay, what are the major drivers uh, making up the share price? They are generally revenue and or margin and or operating income. So at the end of the day, it's decisive what is going to be the result in my P&L as a company. And the P&L owner is by very by its very nature of the CFO. So he is the, at the end of the day, or she is at the end of the day, the person who's tying together all the strings 
and you can have a greater strategy in the world if at the end of the day the PNL effect is not delivering what you need to deliver, then it's uh, it's in vain. Yeah, so it's very natural that um, let's call it the CFO is a person at, in the eye of the storm. Storm currently taking place all around us, uh, driven as I said very much by technology, but not only by technology. Globalization is another factor we need to take into account. Look at these. Uh, a lot of Chinese companies have been around for twenty uh, since uh, twenty years ago. And these Chinese companies now are fierce competitors of us. Um, the same holds true, as I said, for new companies uh, coming up. I would like to, um, or I'd love to summarize that was uh, one statement of a professor of economics stated that sentence in the end of, at the end of the 40s, so 60 years ago, 70 years ago, he said, We're, we are in an area of creative destruction, which means... Things are created, new companies are created, thereby destroying others, those who become contemplation, those who become lazy, those who don't change. Since I think there's no really question about if um, like dig digitalization is something of a, let's say, solution for coping with these disruption. What would you say, um, what would be the steps or the necessary steps to for a CFO to steer a company into digitalization? Like imagine you would be given something like a new task. You arrive at a company which is a little bit, let's say, behind or says like, I want to do this steps into the digitalization. How would you approach this topic? What would be your do's and what would be your don'ts? Yeah, you, you need to um, see what are the value drivers of the companies, what really is the unique selling point of a company, and then you uh, see how you could, and this is the case in every company, how you could uh, stitch the pieces, the silos, the lines of business, however the company is set up, how you can stitch that together, and you do that very much with technology. Uh, so you have a common platform mm -hmm. uh, onto which you try to optimize processes, come up with new business models, etc. And now it comes back to the question, where do you assign a, a CIO or even a chief digital, digital officer um, in the hierarchy? And very, very often this is the case with a CFO himself. What... Always um, comes into the account when talking about this discussion is uh, the steering models and the role of end-to-end -end processes. Mm. Um, what is your take on that? How would how do you prefer to tackle this topic? Yeah, I mean, end-to-end -end processes are important, and you can see that in every company. That holds also true for SAP, but not only for SAP. Once again, if I talk to my colleagues or on the DAX and MDAX boards or um, to my colleagues in Russia as well as in Switzerland or Austria or uh, Poland or wherever. Um, the, no company is perfectly organized in the sense of really having end-to-end -end processes. We are always on the, uh, in the process of trying to define the processes then executing on that one. Um, and this is one of the major drivers um, for uh, a trend we are seeing in our area of responsibility since 15, 20 years, that's the shared service centers. Uh, one of the major levers, as we observed at SAP, is um, 
bringing processes, end-to-end -end processes, I'm now concentrating on finance processes, such like record to report, which is the uh, standard accounting, more or less, um, bringing that into shared service center, the major lever is not so much a cost advantage, but rather the unification of the processes and standardization of processes. Just as the rule of thumb, um, roughly one-third is cost lever, the cost advantage, the cost arbitrage, and two-thirds is derived from process unification, standardization, etc. gives you a certain feeling on what the power is um, if you do that. But as I said, through acquisitions, through um, the acquisitions, uh, etc., etc., all companies are on the move, and every time you have to adjust the processes again. Hmm? When we talk, and we bring this now together, like your role and what we as a company are offering, um, let's put on your customer glasses. What do you think are those things and those technologies that are for you as a as a CFO most usable in the moment? What what is for you, let's say, tangible or really usable? Since we are talking about digital boardrooms, we are talking about the possibilities with universal journal, ledger technologies, and so on. Where do you think this is something which has the maturity? I really want to use it now, and I use it all the time, and it's great. And what is for you maybe something like, um, this is interesting, um, but it will grow, and it's more something of a vision. Okay, what we as a, at SAP use now is uh, really the S4HANA technology. Mm -hmm. There are two components to it. Uh, component number one is the HANA database and the speed of the HANA database, which allows us to process a lot of data at a high speed. Um, and number two is the universal journal, as you put it, um, which allows me as a CFO to reduce my hardware footprint Uh, duplication of data, uh, drastically re reducing the number of tables we are having, um, now talking about uh, that in an IT language, um, but thereby reducing complexity. And if we're talking about end-to-end -end processes, one part of it is reduce complexity. And we do that, what we do in the business process, we try to do also in the IT processes. And uh, the S4HANA is really, for a lot of companies, the point where they can really redesign processes and they don't have to redesign all processes but they take normally a kind of mixed approach part of the processes they take over from the old ERP to the S4 uh, world part of the processes uh, they're redesigning and really um, streamlining and um, uh, saving a lot of money with so this is the second part our database the S4 finance or application on top third part is um, the The cloud technology, which is um, now very much offered by, by us and uh, you as a customer, mm -hmm. Alex, you have a choice whether you go on-premise or cloud or you do combination, a hybrid model, which is at the end of the day where most customers will end up. They wouldn't 100% bet on cloud or 100% on-premise. It's going to be always a kind of mixture. Um, this is a third component. And having said that, this is the basis you're going to, apply on top of it what you call the digital boardroom or the reporting and analytics. Um, this whole setup, uh, we call it the intelligent enterprise, is very important because if you have that and you need that as a basis, standardized HANA, S4HANA finance, um, and the cloud versus on-premise applications, 
and the analytics on top. This enables you then to put infused um, new technologies such as IoT, such as uh, artificial intelligence, etc., into the whole processes and streamline that. If you would, if you would choose out of these, let's say, improvements that you had with S for Hana, um, let's say your favorite one or two for your role. What would it be? Would it be something like consolidation has been now faster? Or what would be what you said, uh, this is what, what makes me feel great about that stuff as CFO? What, me, what makes me feel great is, number one, um, the ability to drill down in real time with a user experience, with, um, which is very much WhatsApp app-like whatsoever. Um, this is number one. Number two... Um, is that I have one and only one consistent set of data. A lot of our customers have a bunch of uh, business warehouses, and we all know how the business warehouse technology is set up. You, you extract data from the ERP, you do that on an 8 or 16 or 24-hour basis, you, um, you gather data in data cubes, and then report on that one. But you, the reporting is on that data cube and not on the original mm -hmm. one. So... Any changes in the original data is then reported with a time lag of 8, 16 or 24 hours. Sometimes even more than 24 hours. It's not real time, it's a time lag attached to it. Mm -hmm. Now if you do an analysis of uh, past periods, it doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. if you want to have real time, what's happening now reporting, this is really a major problem. Um, I have a a friend of mine who is responsible at a company or used to be responsible um, for consolidation. I like to bring this example because I always knew when I should not call him because he would not pick up. And it was like natural the th third month in the quarter because that's what where he was completely stuck doing, bringing all these things together. Um, probably you were also remembering these times. How... How, how, how much changed has this approach to consolidation? Mm. Um, there's a lot of aspects. Consolidation consists of a bunch of processes mm. and a bunch of uh, different process steps. Um, but I give you two, uh, two numbers. Uh, before we introduced S4HANA technology, it took us some nine to ten days as an SAP group. I mean, we are now a company of close to 100,000 um, employees. We have more than 150 um, company codes uh, span around the world, a lot of currency exchange, et cetera, et cetera. So nine to 10 days, it took us for a quarter in closing. Mm -hmm. Now it's four to four and a half days. So it's cut by 50%, just two numbers. So definitely, defi definite change. Definite change, um, allowing us now to more concentrate, n not so much on what I touched upon very early is the stewardship, the creation mm -hmm. of the data, but rather doing more the business analyst, mm -hmm. the insight into the data, mm -hmm. and what sort of strategies do you derive from the data mm -hmm. rather than generating the data? What what I like most is when customer cha customers challenged us by saying like, okay, this is all nice, being faster and so on, this is all, all, all fine, uh, th but this is the baseline for me. This is what I expect from you anyway. When you do something new, you have to be faster. It cannot be like that. Mm -hmm. So speed itself is nothing where some I as a customer say um, this would be my reason for this. I want to do not th the old things faster. I want to do 
different things. And mm. that's when we get the feedback from customers, like they say, because of that technology, especially in finance, my the way I work has changed because I could come out from my reactive niche where I always had to react on things. I could now work more proactive, more analytical and so on. Mm. Um, which brings us into that role of analytics. What kind of hot topics do you see in that aspect of the more proactive analytics kind of way of working now and uh, what do you think would be the future concerning the discipline? I give you an example and you touched upon that already. That's a digital boardroom. Mm -hmm. um, I remember those glory old days I've been responsible for doing the analysis after quarter and closing. Uh, our CFO uh, pr uh, presented the, uh, the quarter end uh, to his colleagues in the board meeting and that was always a set of eight slides. The board decided not more than eight slides, and it always went the same procedure. Um, two weeks before the board meeting, the CFO called me and said, you know, Kakushin, um, I, uh, there might be additional questions coming up. Could you please, of course, prepare the eight slides, but prepare also a number of backup slides. So just in case questions come up, I can answer them. At the end of the day, it was always a set of eight slides plus 40 to 50 slides in the backup. The board, uh, board meeting went on. After the board meeting, um, we had a short debrief and uh, our CFO and myself, we've been sitting together and asked him how went the board meeting. And he said, you know, question went pretty fine, but you know, the challenge we had is uh, backup slide 51 to 60 was missing, i.e. questions were coming up. He couldn't answer because he didn't think about that upfront as a question. What has now changed completely is if you look at the digital boardroom, because of the speed, because of the in, uh, it's totally integrated, you can answer basically every question right on the spot. And it gives you a totally different way of interacting with each other. Before, you had something like, um, I do a presentation, Alex, and I present you a certain, I don't call it a film, but a certain set of slides. And at the end of the eighth slide, you knew exactly what was the quarter end result. And then you asked a few questions. And if I was lucky, uh, I had the answers in my backup. If not, or in my head, if not, I had to say, we need to reschedule and I'll answer you the questions later on or do it via mail. Nowadays, if you come up with questions, I can tip on the numbers and do a drill down right to the very, to the very posting, each separate line item. And I can do that at the tip of my finger and um, at a high speed. And this gives, uh, brings us more in the form of a dialogue rather than a one-way presentation that's changing completely. Yeah? And this is driving much more efficiency. Digital boardroom is not so much, and I don't like that term really, the way we baptized it, quote-unquote, was because we started at SAP in the boardroom, so we call it a digital boardroom. I had a discussion with a colleague CFO um, from uh, from Automobile OEM in uh, Stuttgart, I'm not going to name him, but uh, rather uh, this guy, he had been seeing the digital boardroom, he said, you know, Christian, I'm not so much interested in the digital boardroom for our boardroom. I would like to start at the factory shop, at the shop floor, at the factory side. So in the morning, the one responsible for the production line will come to the digital boardroom, see who is sick, what is the status on logistics, uh, did all trucks arrive which were supposed to arrive, so my just-in-time production is not going to be somewhat um, out of order. Uh, you know, all these things, it is totally different on different levels of a company 
But what it changes now is it is uh, instantaneous data and you take immediate action um, based on the analysis you do with the digital boardroom. So the immediate effect on you was like when you were presenting in, let's say, at the good old times, you were more or less secluded from the facts because you just had something like a snapshot with you. Indeed. Yep. And now you're more or less able to answer each question on the spot by doing something like a live showcasing of the yes. facts and the actual situation, which is, I think, something very beautiful. Um, and this brings us like to the story um, which we had already, I think um, it was in the Christian Straub episode where we talk about the how this came and it was like when Hasso mm. was in that boardroom or in a boardroom meeting and he said, then why am I still like confronted with slides? We have HANA now, shouldn't we use it like that? And this make like let's say this technology induced change in um, behavior. So it's not always like I have something like um, a need and technology and have to find something technology to fulfill it, but technology itself becomes an enabler and brings new things to the table. And this is a very important thing. And this has changed during the last, what I would say, roughly 10 years. Um, some 10 years ago, you had an idea, you had a business question, mm -hmm. and then you went to IT and said, how can we solve that business question? Nowadays, IT present to you certain tools, technologies, and possibilities and options of doing things you haven't even thought of. So it has changed completely during the last 10 to 12 years. And you are a consultant, you probably experience the same on a day-to-day -day basis if you talk to customers. Um, this, is, uh, this is really a change in, um, in the whole setup, how we, how we interact and how we use technology. Um, what kind of let's say, benefits do you expect or hope for or maybe not expect from what we now, let's say, condense in the words or in the, the acronyms of AI, process automatization, machine learning, and so on. You know these mm -hmm. technology yeah. buzzwords. What do you expect or what do you say? IoT, etc. IoT, exactly. Um, this really depends very much on the industries mm -hmm. and uh, the usage of all these technologies or certain technologies in different industries is totally different. Actually, it's not only different uh, between industries, but also between companies. I take an example. Uh, predictive maintenance is a very important one. Um, there are windmill um, or companies who run windmills. They have predictive maintenance and IoT uh, installed on the windmill some 30, 40, 80 meters high. Um, and so they know very much in front, before the wind, uh, in front of a breakdown of the windmill, when it's probably going to break down. So they do a uh, proactive maintenance when they are around that windmill anyway, uh, because it's a very high logistical effort really to climb that windmill and then to exchange the parts. Um, they were very early on on that stage. Uh, if you take the Italian railway, they do the same with IoT. Yeah, um, so the, they were able to really substantially cut any kind of delays because of uh, train breakdown, uh, simply because they did these kind of predictive maintenance and proactive maintenance of or exchange of certain parts which were about to break. Uh, so this is these are examples. But I would would be happy if more companies 
would see what are the options, technical options, and how do they apply to their business processes, to their USP, to their business model. And that ties into the question on the importance of uh, technology, IT technology, we have been touching before. These are the things at hand already. My dear colleagues who are on the, uh, on the podcast now, go out and think about it, how those options apply to your business and how it make you run better. That was IoT. Um, artificial intelligence, I'm using my own department. Now, if I'm co comparing certain contracts, I've been, I'm sending out contracts electronically, they come in with a digital signature. I run AI on these two contracts to just compare what are the changes um, and whether they're going to be accepted. Then automatically they're posted uh, in my shared service center here in Europe, or if there are certain changes from the return on the return contract which I'm not willing to accept, then AI is telling me, Christian, we might have a problem here. What do you think about it?" So there's there are certain fields of application. Are there always positive business cases? And these are always the questions which at the sure. end of the day drive yeah. our CEOs. Are there always positive business cases to it? Not always. Mm -hmm. But um, the um, the hurdle, the investment hurdle, trying out new technologies is sometimes not that high. I just can urge you try it out and give it a chance and uh, get a certain feeling for it because it's going to happen anyway. It's just a question when with your company it's going to happen. So give it a try, try it out, um, maybe on a very small scale, and um, then you see whether or not it's going to work for you in your certain area, in your certain industry, at your certain company. These were some fantastic resume words. Um, so, Kat Christian, thank you very much for inviting us into your world. It was very <laughs> Thanks insightful. very much for taking your time to ask me a few questions. Ah, definitely. Allow me to lay definitely. out uh, to you and the audience uh, on certain aspects of uh, the day-to-day life and dream and drama of a CEO. <laughs> um, when people want to get in contact with you or to like discuss with you there or get sparring with you, yeah. where is it possible? Can people follow you? Are you to be, can you be met at some SAP events? What would be the best way to get in contact with you? Um, of course, uh, I'm uh, on the, on the homepage. My, um, my contact data is there. I'm, out with a lot of customers doing a lot of presentations we always distribute uh, my contact data and of course um, as i said by the homepage probably is the best one and then i'm regularly in different kinds of sap events i mean you know you know them all uh, whether it be sapphire or whether it be subselect or whether it be sap now or whatever it is uh, i'm going to be around anyway so uh, don't be shy get in touch with me Uh, and uh, let's have a more in-depth discussion on company-to-company uh, -company basis. I'm more than willing, not only willing, I'm more than happy actually to share my experience because I think there's a unique chance out there, but there's also a unique challenge. I wouldn't call it threat, but a challenge out there. And it ties back to my creative destruction I've been quoting before. Mm. If you don't do it, others will do it. Yeah. And you are out of business very, very soon. Even if you're a major company, And I'm not going to quote companies like Kodak and all these m huge ones which are out of business or s m just just uh, 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 very close to be out of business, let's call it this way. Um, you need a change, just do it now. Yeah, disruption means that 
a lot of us are now in the defensive position and it's part like to digitalize so we are able to turn around the sword so not it's looking at us again but to become ourselves disruptors again yeah i mean once again technology is out there either use it or the others use it mm -hmm. you can also be the disruptor sure. it doesn't mean that um, you you need to stick with your industries with your business model as it is now um, it's really up to you to find uh, new ideas um, how to uh, propel your company into the next decade uh, new business ideas and there are I promise you they are very much going to be driven by technology that's what it is Hi Christian, thanks a lot and have a great day. Thanks Alex for having me here. Bye. Bye bye.